Aloha and good morning. This is Clint Hansen with Maui Luxury Real Estate, the Maui Real Estate Radio Show. This is uh, listening to us on Monday morning, 7 a.m. at 11.10 a.m., 98.7 FM, 96 FM, the KAOI Radio Group. Today, we have uh, my co-host, as always, Byron Yap with the Axia Home Loans. And we also have special guest, Jason Hall with Rapid Rescore Credit. You can go to his website, at rapidrescorecredit.com. But before we get into the show about the importance of building your credit and uh, how Jason can help you, I wanted to talk to you a little bit more specifically about mortgage rates in general and where the rates are at today, because that's kind of the pulse of the real estate market is finding out where we're at. Um, Byron, how's it been lately? You know, have we seen them eking up? We've, uh, yeah, so uh, they're, they're, I guess the rates have been kind of inching up, going back down. They've been hovering around the 3% range for a 30-year fixed. And it, it, it seems like there's an un, uneasiness of whether it's going to go up, whether it's going to go down. It's kind of been all over the board. One day it might go up a quarter. Next day it might go down an eighth. It's, but it's been hanging around the 3% range. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still been a good market for rates still dramatically lower than what they've been nationally over the past, you know, 10, 15, 20. This is some of the lowest they've been in decades. So it's still a really good opportunity. And that's, of course, one of the things that are triggering a lot of the buyers out there is the low interest rates. But there's also a lot of different loan programs. You know, most people go into a loan, you know, with um, 30%, you know, if they can muster it. But with the large you know, amount of people coming in cash right now um, and the variety of loan programs available, you can actually do it with less money, sometimes 3% and no money down. Can you tell us a little bit about some of those loans? Well, we still have, you know, there's still out there the first time home buyers loans, which allow uh, qualified customers up to 3% down. Um, There's different USDA loans. There's many options. There's actually a lot more options nowadays than there was before. And so I would recommend to anybody, whether they whatever loan officer they work with or company they work with, they go speak to them to decide what program would best fit their needs. No, 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 no. They're supposed to call you, not yeah. whatever loan program. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes people, you know, have a preference, which is understandable. They have a friend or a family member that could help them also. But definitely, yeah. we'd love to speak with them if, if, if they want to. So uh, that being said, uh, what's the website you want to have people go to at Axia Home Loans? Uh, basically, it's just axiahomeloans.com, and they can do they can look me up backslash Byron Yap, or they can uh, send Axia, me A X I A, right? Yeah, A X I A Home Loans dot com, uh, Byron Yap, or they could send me an email at Byron dot Yap at axiahomeloans.com. How's the transition been to your new location? Because, uh, you know, you were at a previous place and you have, you know, lots and lots of experience there, but you made the decision to move to your new place because of some of the loan programs I have available. How's that process been? It's been good. It's been a uh, good initial learning experience coming from a, uh, a smaller lender, going to a different uh, national lender and having to learn all the programs in a short amount of time. It's pretty incredible how many uh, programs are available that I didn't know before and I'm learning them. And it, it's, it's a good time that if you are looking to buy something to seek out a loan officer, whether it's us or somebody else to talk about different programs available. 
And it's absolutely essential. Actually, one of the things I always tell people when they're buying real estate, whether that's a condo or a home, is you have to use, I mean, legally you can use whoever you want, but it's a near requirement to use a local lender if you want a smooth transaction. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize the idiosyncrasies associated with, you know, buying here on an outer island. You know, Maui has very different processes than Oahu and Kauai. So, you know, they don't really understand how our timeline works, how our condominium classification works, you know, how there might be some little idiosyncrasies with a particular place or how their insurance is or what the current status of the association's at. All that stuff is something that really is required using somebody who knows the island, knows the complexes, knows the neighborhoods, and can really apply the appropriate loan program to make it work. I mean, I've had so many people, you know, say, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm a partner in the bank, or literally, I'm a co-owner in the bank. And I'm like, trust me, if you do this, you're going to have catastrophic problems in the loan process. You really want to go ahead and use a local lender. They're like, no, no, I have it. And then by the end of it, I, and I literally have this on, on one of my uh, endorsements on my webpage, they said, if Clint says, use a local lender, use a local lender. <laughs> so while I always recommend Axia and especially Byron, because he's the guy and knows the island, um, you know, you just, you're going to really have a much smoother transaction. Yes, so for sure. um, I've been uh, selling on Island for 20 years and I really want to work with people who have a ton of experience. Byron, can you tell us a little bit about your history? Uh, well, previously before uh, act, uh, being in the mortgage business, I'd worked with Betzel Brothers Development and Sales for 10, over 10 years and then uh, decided uh, to get into the mortgage business because I know the real estate side, the development side, and it's been a great transition. I enjoy it. And one of the things, of course, you do a, a bit, quite a bit of volume when it comes to the loan process. And uh, one of the reasons I've really been happy with you guys is the fact that you have a good segmented system. So whenever you know, I'm working with you and, and getting paperwork to you with the busyness of the market right now, I'm seeing a lot of unforeseen delays and yes. the loans that I've been pushing through with you has been very smooth. I'm very happy with the process. So thank you thank so you. much. Um, that being said, um, one of the most important things, of course, with a loan is you want to make sure you have a good credit score. And uh, Byron, of course, can give you some general tips about that, but there's also specialists out there. So again, this is uh, Clint Hansen with Maui Luxury Real Estate, and this is the Maui Real Estate Radio Show. Uh, here I also have Byron Yap with Axia Home Loans, and uh, we have special guest today, Jason Hall with Rapid Rescore Credit. And you can go to his website, rapidrescorecredit.com. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jason. Thanks, Clint. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure, my pleasure. So <clears throat> one of the things, you know, when you get a loan, you have, of course, a large portion of those payments go towards um, your, your actual interest. So over the life of the loan, it's almost like half of it that goes to that. And a lot of people kind of get perturbed by that. And they're like, all this interest, it's, it's you know, mind blowing, but it gives you the financial capability of purchasing it. And one of the important things is the amount that you pay in those interest over time dramatically decreases because the portion between um, the principal or the actual loan that gets paid off compared to that interest, 
you know, the, the, the volume difference changes. Usually around 17 years is the even point where half is going to, you know, your mortgage and half is uh, going towards interest. So right around that for a 30-year amortized loan. Now, in order to get that better in your favor, the two best ways, of course, are to, you know, have a lower interest rate and be put more money down. And one of the things that affect the risk portfolio is, of course, your credit score. So it's, you know, for the amount that you need to put down to what interest rate you get, um, the ease of getting a loan, having a good credit score is something you should be thinking out years in advance. And uh, so, Jason, can you tell us a little bit about your program and what you do? Uh, thanks. Well, first and foremost, what I typically like to do is is get a copy of the three bureau credit reports from the client, whether it's from the, the lender or they can go pull it online. And I'll go through and do an audit on all their credit accounts, the good, the bad, and put together an action plan for them prior to them uh, actually enrolling in any of my products or services. Because I want to make sure that A, I can help them, B, they're financially uh, capable of kind of helping themselves because a lot of times people have debts they need to pay. They need to pay down their credit cards to a certain percentage uh, to maximize their credit scores before they go and apply for the mortgage. So step one is to audit the report. Step two is to give them the action plan. We discuss the budget and then put those into play. And then they'll have their task list of what they need to do over the next few weeks while I'm working on if they have derogatories, we need to dispute, you know, collections they may have paid and settled, and we might be able to get those deleted through a dispute process, or they can get a pay for delete. If they settle the account, the, the company agrees to delete the item off the credit report. We have a rapid rescore process that I've adapted for my mortgage experience where we can actually expedite that data change so that it'll speed up the score increase. So they don't have to wait six months or a year for a credit repair program to work in their favor. And that's the way I've designed my product is to get it done quickly. Cause 99% of my clients, they're trying to buy a refinance or mortgage. They don't want to wait six months or a year for a typical credit repair to happen. This is, this is a, a fast process. So explain a little bit more of the terminology. Like what is a derogatory? Uh, it's really a, a negative item. It could be a 30 day late. It can be a, uh, a credit card that's over the limit that's that's deemed as, as a derogatory mark. You can have a collection account, charge-offs, bankruptcies, anything that can detract from your credit rating or show uh, an issue with payment history, things of that nature. So uh, that's typically what the DROGs are categorized. So one of the things when um, I was talking, you know, when I first started out, I was 18, 19 years old, you know, going to college and, and I actually had my real estate license. Now I was learning, you know, good credit versus bad credit. You know, when you look at the reports and you see some of the numbers, can you explain a little bit of those differences? Like, you know, getting a loan for, you know, a motorcycle might be different than for a more fixed asset like a house. Uh, well, the, the three types of credit that you can have on a credit report are mortgage, installment, and revolving credit. And the revolving credit are your credit cards, your department store charge cards, the mm. installment credit or your motorcycle, uh, auto loans, uh, signature loans, those are installment credit, and then, of course, the mortgage. And the way that the FICO scoring models uh, risk rate you is the more diverse your credit profile, the better it is for your credit rating. So if you have two credit cards, as opposed to a credit card and a motorcycle loan, the person with the two credit cards is going to have a lower credit rating. They have the same 
account numbers to accounts, but because you have a diverse uh, uh, credit profile, you're actually going to have a, a 30, 40 point higher credit score than it would be if you just had one type of credit on your credit. So I'm going to call my wife and I'm going to tell her I also need to get a motorcycle, not just. <laughs> <laughs> okay not just these credit cards no yeah. i'm not paying for <laughs> sure. I, I don't know how she'll like that but uh <laughs> she'll say just get a personal loan and buy her something nice there you Mine. go all right now with the with the credit uh jason what is you know i've always heard the what is the maximum like credit score someone can have i've heard different varying numbers is it 825 850 what what is what is great question the scoring model that that FICO has implemented for years is 30850. Now, what's happened since 2006 is the TransUnion Experian Equifax, they came out with their own brand of scoring model called Vantage. And Vantage initially was, I think it was like 550 to 900 when it first came out and it got real confusing for people. So what they actually is they they mirrored their, their scale 30850 just like FICO. And the problem is, is Vantage risk grades your credit differently than FICO. Mm -hmm. And so you can go to Credit Karma and you'll look at a, a TransUnion Vantage score at 700 and your mortgage lender pulls a FICO 542 and it's a 650 or a 620. And so people that are using these credit monitoring sites, they're not diving down in the details and, and recognizing that there are literally dozens of different credit scores out there and so oh, that's where it gets real great crazy. that's going to make it simple <laughs> yeah it's interesting you say that because i have people all the time calling me saying hey my my discovery credit on my app said you know right. 700 why am yeah. i at 650 so that is not a hard pull right that they're doing right no it's a it's a soft inquiry your discovery your capital one those apps that will show you the credit card FICO score or a variation of whatever scoring model, mm -hmm. that's where it gets really confusing because you can't have all these different apps that they can, they'll show you different credit scoring models. And you're going to, most consumers just pick the one that's the highest and go, oh, look at me, I'm a 700. And then they go apply for the mortgage and they're a 650 and they get embarrassed and they get confused and upset. But the more information that they know prior to the mortgage application, the, the better. And that's why I go through these consultations with clients after I review credit reports and prepare them. Look, these scores may be different from what you're going to see with your mortgage lender. And you just, we can source the data through a couple of different websites, myfico.com, uh, credit.com will show us the mortgage FICO scores if we want to see them. But if they've already had the lender pull credit, their scores are too low. We need to troubleshoot their problems so that they can get back in front of the lender with a better credit score. Now, I've noticed sometimes on credit reports, I'll see, um, you know, collection accounts that people don't know that's there, like a $25 for a doctor right. or, you know, and it goes nowhere. And I see on your website, you know, it says collection account settlement negotiations or strategic letters. What, what can right. you do to help the customer if they have that on their credit report? A couple of things. If they don't know it's there, they don't know what to say, they don't know who to call. Uh, I can give them that information. I can prepare them for the conversation, what to say, what not to say, who to talk to, and what to ask for. If it's a $25 collection for, they went to the hospital or the doctor, some lab work didn't get covered by the insurance and it goes to collections, they didn't know about it. That one $25 collection probably has lowered their scores 60, 80, 100 points 
if they had perfect credit prior to that. So the derogatory is not the 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 drop in the score isn't indicative of how much the dollar amount is. It's the fact of a collection, a bill that you didn't pay went to a derogatory mark on your credit and it's tanked your credit scores. And that's what that's the biggest frustration that I talk to a lot of people is they miss, you know, one small little bill and it's hammered their scores. For example, a friend of mine had perfect credit scores over 800 here on Maui. Um, I've taught, I've known him for a long time and he knows what I do. And he was in a panic. His scores went from 800 down to in the 600s because he had a credit card that he doesn't use. They charged an annual fee that he didn't remember or realize and it didn't get paid. And so his scores tanked over hundred points. I had him say, look, just call the bank and you explain the situation. And we got it corrected and the scores went back up over 800. So wow. one, one minor, minor mark on really good credit scores, it, it can hammer your credit. Man, I got a VHS that's due at Blockbuster, like way overdue. <laughs> I think I'm in trouble. Right. <laughs> one of the other things that uh, you know, I've noticed is like, would you recommend, okay, say I, I just got out of college, you know, I want to build my credits, you know, what do I do? Do I apply for 10 credit cards? What, 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 what are some of the basic things that, that I should be starting as a young person? Basic things, there's, there's a process called, um, that will piggybacking or authorized user accounts that you can get on with your parents. Your parents can add you as an authorized user to their long-standing credit cards as a young person. That's what they're designed for, is to get a leg up in credit, number one. Number two, they, credit card companies, you know, they have all different tier credit cards designed for students, young people just starting off in credit. A lot of credit card websites like creditcards.com, they'll help guide you through that process of which cards to apply for. You'll probably get approved for and which ones not to. Um, but a good mixture of credit, get two or three revolving credit lines, get an installment account. There's uh, credit builder loans out there to help you apply installment credit to your credit reports to help diversify those accounts. So at least have you know three or four open and active trade lines to, to get a good foundation. Now, when I get those active trade lines, should I be paying them off monthly? You know, I've heard different things from different people like get a credit card, charge your gas and pay it off each month. That's typically what I advise. I mean, credit, the problem that people have with credit cards is they've, they put themselves in a bad spot with them in the past. They treat them as income and they max them out and then they make the minimum $20 payments for the next 20, 30 years. And Ooh. Is, well, it's a compound interest and you, you don't go anywhere fast. But the reality is, is you need to treat credit, respect the credit cards and use them as credit, not as income. So if you charge something up and you know you can pay it off in the next two or three weeks, then that's fine. But if you need to max them out and never pay them off for years, that's a problem. So yes, you know, use your credit. That's fine. You can max out your credit cards. You just need to pay them down or pay them off a couple of days before the next reporting date, which is typically the billing cycle. So no. and a big thing about credit cards is they compound daily. They don't yeah. compound on like a monthly or annual basis. So exactly. the actual interest rate is dramatically higher. And, yeah. you know, as that interest rate builds, it's, you know, one of the best investments to have a credit card company because of those high interest rates. Yeah. So while it may help your credit score, if you pay off those, make sure that you pay them off. And I've also heard one of the things that's really important to do, always pay more than the minimum amount, even if it's just a dollar, because that'll help too. Is that, is that true? 
I mean, yeah, it goes to to knocking down the the principal balance like it would be on, on a mortgage loan. You know, add an extra hundred bucks to your mortgage payment each month, and it'll, it'll pay it off in you know sixteen years or whatever the math calculates out to be. But oh, huge time, yeah. Absolutely. Paying it down is, is important, obviously. Um, what I've what I've found with the FICO scoring models is you can actually, the sweet spot for credit utilization on credit cards is about five to 7%. So if you leave a five to 7% balance on your credit cards at the time it reports to the credit bureaus, your scores will actually be higher than it would be if you paid it off down to zero. And all this information you can find on the MyFICO website on their top performers, you know, at least open six open trade lines, uh, their clients with 740 plus credit scores, they use that five to 7% utilization uh, to their benefit. So all this information, when you read your credit score description, what's helping your score and what's hurting your score, if you, you know, take note of that and, and use that to your benefit, because most people, they pull their credit, they look at their credit scores and that's it. But these, these websites and these scoring models, they'll tell you what's wrong. It's just, you need to take the time to, to recognize what these issues are and address them. So should we check every five minutes or how exactly does dinging <laughs> your credit affect your credit? <laughs> you can credit, well, it depends on how crazy you wanna drive yourself. Yeah. You, you can check your credit. Most websites will let you check um, once, I know Credit Karma is once a week, some sites are daily, some sites are every 30 days. The reality is your credit scores can change daily and they change based upon when you pull your credit, that snapshot of if, if there's information that's changed on any account, if the if a balance has changed, if a payment's posted, if a derogatory hit your credit report, your scores can change a lot. It's, are you paying attention to those scores? And are you pulling your credit daily to drive yourself nuts? Or are you know making your payments on time, set up credit monitoring, you get these alerts if there's a new credit inquiry, if there's a new derogatory, you'll get an email from the credit monitoring site. So you'll know that, uh, that there's something that's changed. But if you don't need your credit right now, or if you don't think you're gonna buy a house or apply for any credit within the next six months to a year, then I wouldn't drive yourself nuts. But yes, you need to keep an eye on things. These credit monitoring sites will do that for you. They'll, they'll alert you if, if somebody's pulled your credit or if, you know, if, if you've got a new account reporting or something of that nature. Is it though, I heard, maybe it's just because if it's a hard pull, well, you know, like if you go to get a, an auto loan and, you know, we're just talking to them, if they do a hard pull, how does yep. that affect your credit? Great question. <clears throat> a lot of people get hung up on hard inquiries and there's a difference. There's a soft inquiry or there's a hard inquiry. Hard inquiry is if you apply for a loan or for a mortgage or a credit card. A soft inquiry is you pulling your own credit yourself online through monitoring sites. There's other sites that will do like a, um, a soft pull just to kind of see how you're performing uh, on other credit accounts. Some of your current banks will do that for you uh, or on your credit. It doesn't reduce your credit score per se, mm. but as far as the hard inquiries go, you're allowed up to a certain threshold annually, say five hard pulls every 12 months. Now the inquiries are listed on your credit report for two years, but they only packed your scores for 12 months. The other thing too is these, the FICO score models allow you to shop for credit in short, in, inside of a short window, usually about four weeks. So if you wanna apply and shop your mortgage rate through different brokers over the next few weeks, you can do that. And they'll, they'll list the inquiries, but it's only gonna count against your scores as one hard pull. 
But if you apply for a bunch of mortgages this month and a bunch of credit cards and, and an auto loan and a, and a motorcycle next month, that'll start to compound and that will have a significant impact moderately to your credit scores. And hard inquiries are only 10% of your FICA score. So they're not a huge uh, compensating factor. Your credit utilization and your payment history, those two categories make up 65% of your FICA score. So inquiries, they're not a huge score killer, but if you overapply it, it can become a problem. Now, say, you know, I, I've seen, run into people that are younger people, maybe they ran into a bad credit event, they had a bankruptcy when they were younger. How long does that stay on their credit report or, you know, some kind of major event? You know, how long does that normally stay on the credit report? Typically, it's about seven years. If it's BK, depending on if it's a chapter 11 or 13, uh, it can be 10 years. Um, back years ago, I think it was 2017, uh, the IRS tax liens no longer report to your credit, um, judgments as well. Um, so those are a couple of things that no longer are listed on TransUnion, Experian, and Equifax. LexisNexis, that data might be there, but I don't. it all depends on you know, if your lenders are pulling that. But typically it's about seven years um, and that's from the last payment date uh, plus, plus three months. So it's 120 days late, starts a seven-year clock on a derogatory account falling off your credit report. Does that automatically come off or do I have to like, what, what would I do as a consumer knowing that, let's just say for argument's sake, on the seventh year, do I check my credit and get it taken off? How would I go? It wouldn't hurt. Typically, they roll off on their own. It's very seldom that I've seen something past the seven-year mark on the thousands of credit reports I've seen over the past 20-plus years. So um, they're pretty good about uh, getting the stuff off of there when, it, when it's time. You were saying that there's uh, top performers as examples. Are you telling me there's some sort of you know credit Olympics? Have you seen some amazing <laughs> credit scores before? <laughs> I, I I have. I mean, you know, I I'm a data guy. I I dive down into the details on all these credit reports and all the information shared by FICA. I mean, they wrote the book on their scoring models, and you really need to dive down into their information. And they'll tell you, look our top performers are doing this you know they're at seven percent utilization they have six accounts that are actively paying on and they'll tell you what you probably should be paying attention to so yes there is kind of in their eyes their top performers which we all should probably pay attention to i was uh, actually have a few friends um and you know credit score became kind of a lifestyle for them they didn't uh, game the system but they gamified it. So they basically rewarded themselves by building their credit and they sure. went through a process and I was actually quite surprised their previous to their current score it went up quite dramatically and it, and it came part of their lifestyle in addition yeah. to and, and reading the books and, and fire investment strategies, as well as, um, you know, building their credit was an absolute game changer for them and gave them the power to build home and something yeah. that nobody does when they're, you know, actually have uh, a rental and they normally will buy into a condo and then go from a condo to a home, but they actually went from a rental directly into a house that they were building, which is a very hard process. And they were able to accomplish that by, you know, basically making it uh, a focal point of building their credit and, and, and actually building their house one loan at a time. Yeah. <laughs> You know, credit, you're right. It has to become a lifestyle because if, if you don't have the foundation of, of respecting credit for what it is and, and using it to your benefit, 
you know, you're given this opportunity. It's, it's, it's up to you if you want to capitalize on it or screw it up if by not paying attention to what you're supposed to be doing, which is make your payments on time and keep your balances low on your credit cards and just pay your bills. I mean, it, it, it sounds easy, but you know, life happens. We get sick, get divorced, um, job loss, whatever. Yeah. Life happens. And that's why it's can be Medical sick. Emergencies. That can always exactly. happen. Yeah, exactly. You, you don't prepare for that sometimes. So, you know, it can happen. You can get back on track. It's just going to take some work. One so, of the things I, oh, go, sorry. No, absolutely. One of the things I see like on people is they'll have a collection accounts <laughs> and they don't know how to go. Do you help with that? Like negotiating, getting it yes. fixed? Is that a service you provide? I do in certain scenarios, if, if they don't have the time or uh, the wherewithal to, to handle the negotiations, I can help with that. Uh, we'll get on a three-way with the collection company, allow me to, to, to communicate with them directly. And, you know, it can be of benefit. I've, I've helped clients save thousands of dollars off of their collection bills uh, because you got to be, you have to be patient. You have to be nice. You don't take it personal. You know, they're a business and they're there for profit. And, you know, when you approach them in, in the right manner and give them what they want so that we can get what we need, then it works out as a mutual beneficial uh, conversation. But, you know, a lot of people get upset and they get their feelings involved in the communications and those hang up on them or whatever. But, you know, you just treat people like you want to be treated and, and usually get what you want mutually. So having that process and, you know, doing the rapid rescore for your credit. Um, no, I always come from it as being something more of a process over time, you know, like a lifestyle choice, right. but with rapid, you know, rapid rescore, how, how tell us some of the stories or war stories of, you know, okay. being able to turn somebody from a, you know, 600 or to a, a nice higher, more attractive score. Great question. So technically what a rapid rescore is, it's a data change quickly. And as I think I said before is your, your accounts report every 30 days, usually at different times of the month by different time, different accounts on when you open them and when they report. Uh, easiest example of a rescore, somebody pays down their credit card, we can get the balance updated at the credit bureaus in about seven business days instead of waiting for the next reporting cycle, which can be four weeks out. Same thing for collection accounts. If we can negotiate a deletion in exchange for payment, we can rapid rescore or get the account off quickly so that it's no longer calculated in the credit ratings. Um, I think it was last month I had my, my record score increase and I've been doing this a while. 231 points is, is what we were able to achieve wow. on a score increase, uh, for this client. And it was, you know, sometimes we get kind of these perfect storm, you know, scenarios where everything kind of clicks. Uh, he paid down his credit cards. We rescored those. It was a Wells Fargo. Um, I can't remember if it was a mortgage account. I think it was a mortgage account that they misreported and we were able to extract that 30 day laid off this credit report. That's why his scores went from, I think it was the mid five hundreds to low sevens in, wow. in a few weeks. Wow. And so really there, there's a million scenarios out there. Um, you know, there's stuff that can happen perfectly, some moderately. I mean, we're, it's kind of a, it's kind of a moving part target in, in, in a general sense, because we're dealing with three companies, TransUnion, Experian, Equifax, they have their own verification processes. They have their own timelines generally. Um, and so it's not just one report, it's three reports that we have to deal with on 
everything's in triplicate on on what we do and what's being reported that we have to get changed. So uh, it's it's a little bit more technical than most people think. So how does you know? Uh, I was a little surprised because when you were saying earlier, sometimes it's better to have a diverse loan portfolio, like you know, a vehicle loan, house loan, credit card loan. You know, showing that those are up to date. But what about something along the lines of debt consolidation? So I'm assuming that really comes more from removing, you know, debt from really high interest compounding loans like credit card and getting uh, something tied up in a more fixed interest rate uh, and, and taking that loan and paying off all that more compounding interest by comparison. How have you seen that used as a tool? That is a great, if you can do it. And that's the thing is, when you when you're in a position where you've got your credit cards maxed out you have a couple of installment loans out there and you apply for a uh, a credit uh, loan to pay down debt sometimes banks are a little bit weary because when you take that money and you pay off the credit cards now you've moved that all over onto an, an installment loan with bank a and now you have all these credit lines use revolving lines freed up which will boost your credit scores by all stretch but now it it gives you access to that credit again. And what can happen is people go back out and they'll just max out there. And it's just this, this vicious round cycle. bottom, yeah. vicious cycle to a degree, but done the right way. If you can move that debt off of the revolving into installment and free up those, those revolving lines and not max them out, your scores are going to go through the roof because now you've lowered utilization on all your credit cards. Yes. You may have added in a new installment loan, but utilization on your revolving credit, so 30 your credits or 30% of your credit rating is based upon what kind of utilization is on your credit cards. If you have maxed out, your scores go down. You pay them down, your scores go up. It's it's pretty basic. But when you move that off the revolving category, it can have a significant increase to your credit rating. That was uh, one of the things that I did before purchasing a house was whenever I would get the opportunity, I would uh, call my credit card company up and I would try to increase my maximum amount yeah. on my credit card. So typically yeah. when you get a credit card, you know, their max is about $20,000. And then if you call them, they're usually more than willing to lend you more money or increase your, you know, risk Lift. portfolio by saying, Hey, instead of 20, let's make it 25 and then right. 30 and 35. And if you edge up that amount, they're, we're normally obliged and that's i'm assuming going to help your credit score it will because it, let's say on a twenty thousand dollar credit card you're you're constantly using eight or ten thousand dollars a month so you're running about 50 percent utilization you call chase and say hey guys can you bump me up to uh forty thousand dollars and you're still only using the eight or ten percent eight or uh ten thousand dollars that lowers your utilization but you've not paid down your 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 balances and so moving those numbers to your benefit, you can do without paying a penny, you can actually raise your credit scores by increasing your credit limits. Oh. So it doesn't what, would you, what would you recommend or what would, what would be the best advice you, you would give to a young person? You know what I mean? Is Because the credit goes to them forever. A lot of people don't realize that. And sometimes they're afraid to look at their credit. You know, yeah. What would you recommend to a young person starting out? You know, I know, I know we talked about some credit lines, but should they, you know, should they keep applying? You know, what, what, what should a young person do to say in five, 10 years, want to get a house or get other things? What would be your best advice to them? Uh, as far as the revolving credit, those are the only credit lines that will, will remain with you for forever. And by maintaining those and keeping those open and active and in good standing, 
that's the one of the better types of accounts because the age of your credit is important as well. And so by getting a couple, three credit cards in your name and keeping them open and active throughout your credit life, that's very important. Your installment loans, those are those are going to close. Those are going to get paid off. And you may need to replace those. But as far as you know, uh, keeping accounts open and active as long as possible, your credit cards are the best route to go. You can always trade up and get you know uh, one with better rewards or points or cash back or whatever down the road. But it's it's important to keep those accounts uh, as long as you can. Mm -hmm. And I've I, I've noticed that. You, I mean, you've helped the gamut of, you know, I, I've sent people to you, quite a bit of people, and they've all come back with good reviews because, you know, they thought they were in a position they couldn't do anything. And pretty much to your word, within six months, maybe on the worst case a year, but I've seen on the average six months where they've been able to do something with your guidance. And I, I'm guessing that has to take a lot of, the customer has to want to participate too, right? It's just not like, hey, Jason, you fix it for me. Right. No. And, and that's, and that's the important thing is this is a team effort. This isn't something where I'd say, okay, pay me money and I'll fix your problems. This is just not how it works. And there's plenty of companies out there that will tell you that pay us, don't pay your bills. We'll fix your credit. No problem. <laughs> they're out scam. there. Well, exactly. And they're out there by the boatloads. But the reality is, is like, if you have the wherewithal, you have to participate. That's why I give them an action plan. If they fall off rail two months down the road, I say, well, let's go back to the action plan. Did you do one through five? You, you only did one. Okay, well, what about the rest of the stuff? We need to stay on track if you're gonna have really good credit. I can't do this by myself. This is your credit. You're the only one who can make your payments and keep your balances low and settle your collections and everything that I've outlined. That's part of what I offer my clients as a consultant is, Look, if you don't blame me because your credit hasn't gone anywhere because you haven't done what you're supposed to do, this is a team effort. And, you know, there's, there's no I in team. Everybody has to be involved. Darn, no magic bullet. I can't just pay money. No. I'm a little disappointed. Yeah. No, Sorry, there, goodbye. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm sure you've had a few conversations like that. <laughs> well, I think that the other thing most people appreciate is, is I tell them how it is upfront and honest. Look, if I can't help you, I'm going to tell you. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why you've wasted money on credit repair in the past is because you haven't paid your bills in a nutshell and you don't have the capacity to do it. Save your money. Come back to me when you're ready. It doesn't do us or anybody any good to pay me for something that's not going to work. Do you ever like, recommend to people <laughs> going bankrupt like 11 or 13? I, I tell them <laughs> to talk to the accountant. Talk. Talk to a BK attorney about that, but in, yeah. you know, this is just off the record. Yeah. I mean, if they're, if they're buried in debt and there, there's no end in sight. Yeah. Maybe you might want to do that or look into it at least so that when you get the BK behind you, you can go through the BK. It doesn't kill your, I've, I've seen clients with the 700 credit score, 12 to 24 months out of outside of a bankruptcy. Wow. It's all about what you've done since then. So the way that the scoring models look at derogatories, the older the derogatory, the less it, that's impacting your credit rating. So what's happened to you two years ago is not indicative of what kind of credit risk you are today. And so if you can establish new credit, keep your nose clean, make your payments on time, your scores are going to go up. It's just you need to put distance in between yourself and the derogatories. How does uh, when it comes to those loans, I mean, how exactly is student loan 
qualified or classified um, when you look at it? I mean, obviously it's important to have it um, paid and up to date, but you know, in regards to its effect on a credit score, is that you know a positive as long as it's getting paid down, just like any? Well, student loans are they're kind of a, a weird animal because um, mm-hmm. well, they're going to look at you know how much you the loan was for, what the current balance is, which sometimes your balance can be higher than the original loan amount, which can look bad. Um, they can go in and out of deferment, which would mean that they're not reporting payments or activity on active payments to your credit. And so student loan debts, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of a mixed bag as far as the positive and negatives to your credit. It's all, have you been paying on them? Are the balances coming down? You know, those like any loan. Exactly. And a lot of people use that deferment as look, I'm going to enroll to get out of paying it because I, I don't have money or whatever the case may be, but student loan debt, it's, they're, they're kind of weird accounts on credit reports. The, the easy stuff are the credit cards, the installments and the mortgages, but student loans, those will follow you around forever. Yeah. And you can't just discharge those with a bankruptcy either. No. Those are one of those things that follow you forever. So yeah, make like it a priority to pay those off. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, that being said, um, how long have you been in business for? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Great question. Uh, Prior, I entered into the mortgage industry in the late 90s as a young man, uh, as a signing agent uh, in California, and I'd fly over the Western United States with a bag of loan docs and go straight. This is before cell phones and all that fun stuff, and I'd have the Thomas guy, and I'd go drive around and, and look up addresses, go sign loan docs as a notary, and then got my real estate license and started as, as a loan officer and was in the business through 2008, 2009, when the market shut down uh, with all those subprime loans and the foreclosures. So that was about the time I, I learned the business of credit consulting and repair and, and rescoring and been doing this ever since. Yeah, it was and you're located on Maui, right? I'm like, on Maui, correct. But but you 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 handle the whole U.S. or? Yep, nationwide. I'm up at three in the morning <laughs> doing emails and, and uh and, and texting uh, East Coast and work my way West as the day progresses. Why'd you move to Maui, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I was in California for 30 years and, and uh, you know, ran the gamut through the mortgage business and had friends over here and they took us in and allowed us to, to kind of enjoy the island and got our, got our self rooted here and haven't left. So it's like a possible place to live. So <laughs> Clint, plus he's at the beach all day in the afternoon. Well, no, no, you're a hard worker. This is what I'm hearing here. Yeah. Uh, I'm up early and you know, usually around noon is I've put in a good solid eight hours or so. Oh, fantastic. And um also, of course, people are normally building their credit um first thing in the morning before their work day starts and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it out there, getting the advice that's necessary. Absolutely. Um that being said, how have you seen uh, with the changes to the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac process and the loan restrictions, how have you seen things change since the subprime crisis? They keep raising the bar. I mean, which is kind of good for my business to a degree. Um, you know, even pre-pandemic, you could get into some loan products all the way down to 550. Uh, and then my understanding, they've really tightened up their credit criteria, whereas some FHA products, from what I understand, you know, people are getting in at 580 or 600. Some of those are creeping up to 620 or 640. Yeah. 
on Fannie Freddie products are getting even higher. So mm-hmm. uh, it's becoming more challenging and, and it creates, you know, more business for me. But the reality is it's, it's becoming more difficult credit wise for people to get into loans. And I read some article a week or two back is, you know, 70% of the Fannie Freddie loans made this year were 740 plus FICO oh, scores. Wow. That's a great score. Which is, you know, and that's 70% of the approval. So it's really, I, I think it's, it's left some people out of the market when it comes to getting, getting approvals. What do you think the future is for, I mean, credit and building for, for the, the thing that I'm noticing right now, at least is there's so much equity built up in homes and condominiums. Uh, people are coming with more cash down and right. that seems to be backed up by what I'm, you know, reading that we have more equity in, you know, the industry than we've seen in almost, you know, 30, 40 years. So that equity, meaning like the loan in comparison with the value of the home is at a smaller ratio compared to what they've been on average. So seeing this, it, it seems to be coming harder and harder for initial people to break in. And, yeah. and you know, I, so I'm just kind of like, you know, <laughs> building that credit score is such an essential piece of the puzzle so that you can get those, you know, low interest loans, you know, getting in there with 3% or, or no yeah. money down. So th- how do you see this evolution going? I mean, is it just simply going to be, you know, more uh, hurdles to jump over, more data coming in, you know, maybe you're going <laughs> to, they're going to be tracking your Bitcoin. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. That might be better for Byron to answer. But as far as what I've seen, as far as the, the on my side of the, the fence is um, you're, what I've noticed is Experian and some of these other credit monitoring sites, you know, they're, they're, they created like this Experian boost where you can tie your utilities into your credit reports to help boost your credit scores. But what they don't tell you is the Experian boost and some of these other um, boosting type of things that, that they've created, they're not recognized by FICO 5, 4, and 2 in mortgages. And so mm-hmm. what, what might increase your, your credit score uh, with Experian or, or FICO 8 or Experian boost it's not relative to your FICO scores used for mortgages. So there's a lot of confusion out there and, and they're just adding fuel to that confusion by offering these products and services that aren't beneficial for, for my clients and Byron's clients typically. And it's confusing and it's just, they're making it worse. So calling it a credit score might not necessarily mean it's a real credit score. <laughs> well, they're all real. It's all relative to what you're applying for. And that's the part that Which they loan? don't claim. You know what I mean? All right. That makes a ton of sense. So when uh, somebody's going to go to rapidrescorecredit.com, your website, what do you think that, you know, obviously they're mostly going to probably be looking for contacts and and email. So what is your, first of all, email and phone number that you recommend people giving you a call um, or, you know, sending you an email? Uh, Email address is Jason, J-A-S-O-N at rapidrescorecredit.com. Uh, the office line is 949-505-9971. Obviously, it was my California number that, that I paired back, uh, brought with me here, and I've mm-hmm. had it for years, so I left that. Or they can reach me on my local number. Uh, my cell is 808-633-3767. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Jason. I really appreciate all your Thank time. You
Yeah, and definitely continue to chime in here because we got about another uh, seven or so minutes of the conversation to go before the end of the show. Okay. But um, wanted to go back to Byron and talking about how crazy the market's been. So one of the the biggest hurdles, you know, I have been over, you know, trying to figure a way to overcome is the fact that, you know, we have all these properties in escrow, some of the highest numbers we've ever seen. I mean, normally Maui is around... 550 escrows between condos and homes. And now we're well over 700. At one point we were over eight. So mm -hmm. those closings that are, you know, yet to happen are really the, the current price in real estate, but those went into escrow a month and a half ago. Yeah. Sometimes even more than that, depending on the type of loan that they're pulling and they're not able to count those as comps. So as the fervor of the market happens and these new closures, as soon as you see one of those new goalposts get set, then you see a bunch more go pending right immediately after. So how, you know, are, what are some of the things that you've seen for these appraisal processes? I mean, it's A, very difficult to get an appraiser and B, they have, you know, so much of an uphill battle to try to get things to appraise, even though you know, they might even be an escrow undervalue. It's just, they're going off of yesterday's prices, not today. Yes. And that's, we're, we're seeing that a little more, it's a little more prevalent with financing is the concern of purchase price versus the, the appraised value because the appraisers are only using properties that close. We're, it, it's a challenge we're running into daily on some loans where, like you said, the, the, the other closings don't substantiate the, new price that this house is going for yeah and that's a good thing i want to i think what we're going to do is i'm going to talk to an appraiser and have him on so we can kind of ask those questions that he's more of an expert in and i'm working on that yeah it can definitely be a juggle what the, what they're going through right now is pretty yeah. tough they're getting paid well though that's for sure yes <laughs> yes There's a lot are. more business to go around so that's a that's one of the positives um, but of course the, the big toughie is the fact that they've got these hurdles to overcome. So, yeah. um, that's again, one of the reasons that, you know, as a real estate agent, you know, I get a listing that comes up and, you know, the loan is going to be one of those things. And sometimes I'm putting into the contract, like, Hey, if it doesn't appraise, you're going to have to come up with the additional cast. I'm straightforward. I'm like, look, you know, this place would appraise, you know, 50,000 under what we're in escrow for, but we have three offers that are that same 50,000. The, one of the big pluses of uh, choosing this particular person is like, they have the capability of making up that additional $50,000 difference. Yeah. So when that happens, when, when somebody has a loan that misses the mark, what are some of the remedies? Well, um, basically the way the, the way the banks look at it is they'll, they'll finance, Everything is based on the lower of the two, either sales price or appraisal. Mm -hmm. And if your appraisal comes in lower than your sales price, I mean, the options are A, go back, renegotiate a lower price, which probably won't work in the stock market. <laughs> B is come up with the difference to offset that between the appraisal and the sales price. Or uh, if they don't have the funds, to cancel the transaction. Um, it's, it, it's a busy area that, uh, that appraisal has been affecting a lot of uh, loans right now, the appraisers have. So mm -hmm. some of these buyers have, have had to make that decision. You know what I mean? Is, hey, there's other homes in escrow that probably higher that will close later. Do I buy this now because I'm setting the precedent for the next sale? 
and have to bring up those funds. So if you have additional funds, if you're one of those lucky people that have a fair bit of liquidity, what are some of the ways that you can help your um, interest rate as opposed to just simply, you know, calling rapid rescore credit.com and uh, working with Jason, say you've maxed out your credit score, you know, and you still want a lower interest rate because that really compounds over time. Uh, Are there some other options? Well, the options are a customer can pay what we call upfront points to buy the lower rates. Mm -hmm. Uh, Meaning if X rate is zero points and a lower rate, lower rate might be one point, one point would represent the loan amount. So if you had a, say a $500,000 loan, it may cost you $5,000 one time at closing to buy the lower rate. So people got to, what they'll determine is, does it make sense for them financially putting up the money up front to get the lower rate or should they keep the money and just take the little higher rate? And it's really only going to make sense if you're going to be holding the property for that period of time or longer. Yes. So if it takes five years in order to, you know, make up that difference uh, and you're going to be living in it for seven, go ahead and pay down the points if you have the additional cash. And it's especially great to do that if you're going to be living in the home for 10 20 30 years then the the compounded effect associated with the lower interest rate is massive over time so the longer you'll be in a property the more it makes sense to pay down points mm-hmm. yeah are those point stacks deductible anymore or is that something that that's that's changed i'm, I'm not 100 percent sure i think They'd have to consult. Best thing to do is consult with the attorney, uh, their accountant, because each person is right. going to be different with the new tax, uh, the Trump tax changes, okay, mortgages and things like that. Right. Um, I believe they can write off certain things, and that they're going to be most likely talk to their accountant, figure it out. Right. Well, fantastic. Thank you guys so much for coming today. It's always very illuminating to learn all the ins and outs of uh, the mortgage industry, as well as some of the tools available, like rapidrescorecredit.com. If you guys could just reiterate your contact information, my name is Clint Hansen with Maui Luxury Real Estate, the Hansen Ohana. I've been selling real estate on island for 20 years now, and it's a family industry. My family has had their license significantly longer. My mom's over 40 years now. Hmm. Um, And most people know us through mauirealestate.net. That's been around since 1997, and they love our webcam. You can actually go see people chilling on Charlie Young Beach and listen to the waves crash. Um, so tell us a little bit about your websites and where they can reach you. Uh, I'm with Axia Home Loans, Byron Yap. The contact information, my direct cell phone number is 808-280-3491 or via email at B- Byron, that's B-Y-R-O-N dot Yap, Y-A-P, at axiahomeloans.com. And Jason, one last time. <laughs> sure, no problem. Jason Hall at rapidrescorecredit.com. You can reach me uh, direct uh, through the office line, 949-505-9971. And of course, my direct uh, cell is 808-633-3767, located here on Maui. All right. Mahalo All right. and aloha. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. you. Aloha.